Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to part two of this week's Clash of the Titles, the podcast that pits two movies with lots in common in a fight to the death to see which one comes out victorious. On Monday's episode, we spent an hour in dystopian Detroit with Robocop, which means today we're heading to Clendathu, an ugly planet, a bug planet, to watch some beautiful brawny blokes and babes being barbarically brutalised by bugs. Would you like to know more? Good, because we're talking 1997's Starship Troopers. In every age... There is a cause worth fighting for. But in the future, the greatest threat to our survival will not be man at all. Hey, kid, what's going on? War! We're going to war! So which film in this violent Verhoeven double bill will be victorious? We'll have a winner at the end of the show, so let's get it on. Welcome to Clash of the Titles. Hello, Clash Butters. Johnny, I'm dying, but it's okay. <laughs> because I got to have you. <laughs> Good line. I'm Alex Zane. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. Thank you. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I'm so glad you noticed. Mm-hmm. Do you not think years ago you'd been like, that's absolutely fine? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, do you know what? I don't. I think every time I've seen this, I've gone. That's awful. Weird. <laughs> it's a terrible, terrible last line. Yeah, her whole life is shit. Really, mm. if you yeah. think about it. Yeah, I mean, Diz, poor Diz. Mm. I got so much feeling for Diz. Yeah. Are you gonna say your name? Sorry, I'm Vicky Crompton. And I'm Frank Mundus, inspiration for the character <laughs> Quint in the movie Jaws, as says in all his obituaries. Yeah. Does he really? Yeah. Does he really? Yeah. That's fascinating. I thought it was the person who played Ben Gardner, who I thought was called Craig Gillespie on Monday, but I can't be sure and I never checked. So welcome to part two of Robocop versus Starship Troopers. Before we get into this episode, it's time for a dip into the digital mailbag and a review from one of you, read by Chris Tilly, a.k.a. Chris Thrilly. This comes from Matterjack, who says, Amazing movie podcast. I'm watching films I I've never considered before just so I can listen to you guys debate. Mm. This is a great format and wish you all the very best. Thanks. Thank you. Aww. And he even chucks in a suggestion, but it didn't come by email. 
Um, so that's it. <laughs> you know how I feel about so this. So close. Uh, I don't want to tell you, but you get actually blocked on the email by Chris. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much, Matter Jack. One shot, yeah. Never listen again. Uh, not a bad one. Phone Booth versus Nick of Time. Nick of Time, a movie that does not exist. Well, it does, but I just can't. Johnny, Johnny Depp. It's just one of those ones that it doesn't feel like it's real. Johnny Depp and Christopher Walken. It's, a, yeah. it's set in real time. Is that yes, the, it that's is. The yeah, connection? Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think I've seen part of it for a Johnny Depp interview for good. some reason, but I didn't enjoy Whatever. the three minutes I watched. Anyway, good idea. Thank you, Amata Jack, and thank you for the lovely review. Right then, on Monday, Dead or Alive, you were coming with Chris, which means today, come on, you apes, you want to live forever? Let me take you on a journey. Some beautiful meat sacks are passively aggressively coerced into doing military service by their teacher slash covert army recruiter. Being gorgeous idiots, they do it, thinking it'll be good character building fun. But uh uh-oh, this dude at reception has only got one of his original arms left. That's your first clue. Want another? How about a sadistic drill instructor who literally throws a knife through your hand? (laughs) But before you can take a trip down washout lane, a vast asteroid gets mistaken for rain and unnecessary. (laughs) Necessary war happens made necessary with propaganda. One reporter dares to suggest it was humans who caused the war and is immediately torn limb from limb on camera because screw you liberals. Then, just as you're wondering how so many reviewers missed this being a freaking satire, Gestapo Neil Patrick Harris turns up, missing old friend Diz's funeral by mere seconds. Oh yeah, Diz dies because of a Hoven movie and on top of everything else, if you think about sex, let alone do it, (laughs) you die! Clash Potters, for your consideration. <laughs> a Starship Troopers. Uh, so, histories of this movie. V. I saw it when we were at college. I think it was with you. Okay. It didn't make a huge impression on me, to be honest. Right. The movie was good. <laughs> I'm kidding. That's funny. No, I was just like, okay, fine. You, I think you love it, don't you? I do love it. Yeah. I, I do love you it. You're like, let's watch Starship Troopers so this, again. So this is your second watch then? Yes. You've never watched it since? No. I, I, I would have said, let's watch it again. I've seen this movie more times, uh, times than I, I can count, but I'll, I'll tell you my first time after you go, Chris. Yeah, I watched this when it came out. Um, and I enjoyed it to a point. I thought the acting and the dialogue was terrible. I thought the film was fun. I did catch the fact that Doogie Himmler was an SS officer at the end, and I thought, oh, this is interesting. That's interesting. But I didn't pick up on the other stuff going on there, the other satirical stuff, the reasons for the dialogue, the reasons for the performances. I was, I was, get, I was too young. I was getting my head... I was still realising that the Tories were the baddies. <laughs> I thought they were the goodies up until that point, and suddenly my world was changing. Did you? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, when I got to uni, it was like, oh, hold on. Oh, yeah, you've said that I've before. i told you about it before, yeah. because, you know, you grow up in a certain it's way, just, in a yeah, certain household. It's and, always really interesting when you say like, it's just such a different I'm not being snarky, it's true. It's just a, such a different way to be raised, isn't it? Like sure. where I was raised, presumably where you were raised. Yeah, I was la- raised in a, a, a Labour, a, a left wing house. But there wasn't, you know, you Leeds. couldn't find a. Tr- I mean, they didn't if, exist. But that was the weird thing when the, a kid who sat in front of me every day on the bus uh, turned around and was like, uh, I'm, I'm voting. To-. It was the first year we could vote, and he was like, I'm voting Tory. And I was, it was like, just what? this sort of like, holy shit, you it, live like two doors <laughs> away from me. You're what? Wrong to but it's why, it's why university is a good thing, because yes. obviously that's what that experience did for me but also I wasn't used to questioning authority at, any, at all up mm. until that point and this is film this film is all about questioning what's happening here yeah. but I saw so I took a lot of it at face value but as I say I'm pleased I at least got the uh, Neil Patrick Harris stuff that was going on yeah ditto I don't think you could miss the Neil Patrick Harris stuff despite the fact that many many reviewers <laughs> say, seemed to fucking do I think we've got time. someone from the Washington Post you'll be oh, quoting oh my god that quote <laughs> but also I will say just because they missed it doesn't mean the film the inverse 
doesn't mean it's true that the film is good just because someone missed something. No, no, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that, but we'll get into that. I first saw this, uh, weirdly, <laughs> on the island of Penang off the west coast of Malaysia. Uh, I was travelling there and um, uh, all the people I was travelling with uh, went to do culture, yawn, and I went to the cinema to watch Starship Troopers and I saw an incredibly heavily edited version of this film <laughs> that, that I didn't realise until I watched it years later in the UK. So Diz mm. did not have sex with Johnny in the version I saw. Oh. I mean, maybe it was slightly implied, a lot of the violence as well, all cut out. So, And it cut really badly, mm. like not done in a professional way, like really jarring images next to each other. Like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. So that's where I watched it. Um, and then I've watched it, like I said, countless, countless times since, because I just very much enjoy being in the company of this movie. Let me tell you a bit about it. So, our old friend Ed Newmeyer, Robocop writer, he decided he wanted to make, in his words, a big, silly, jingoistic, xenophobic, let's go out and kill the enemy movie. Uh, he says he'd settled on the idea that it should be against giant insects. I wanted to make a war movie, but I also, also wanted to make a teenage romance movie. I promise I haven't read Starship Troopers. <laughs> I added the last bit. <laughs> So he's working up a treatment for a story called Bug Hunt at Outpost 7. And he talks to the Robocop producer, John Davidson, who realises it's got a lot in common with Robert Heinlein's 1959 sci-fi novel Starship Troopers and that Newmar should adapt that instead, which he does. So this book, uh, wow, uh, this book, it's, uh, it divided people at the time and still does divide people uh, while remaining very popular. So part of the ongoing divisiveness about this book is Heinlein's own views are kind of fuzzy. He's never spoken about his personal beliefs. He lets people interpret the book as he wants. So he was in the Navy and he didn't like the fact that people had started. He was very loyal to the Navy and the military, but he didn't like the fact people were campaigning against the nuclear tests mm -hmm. that the Americans were carrying out. So he wrote this book as a kind of knee jerk reaction to that. But people's opinions on the book differ depending on their existing belief system when they read this book and their responses are wildly different. So Heinlein's been called at various points a conservative, a militarist, a libertarian and a fascist. And indeed, the idea that Starship Troopers, the movie, also promotes fascism is something that was repeated in lots of critic reviews at the time, and they even levelled accusations against Verhoeven and Neumeyer of being Nazi sympathisers. So this is the quote you were talking about from the Washington Post at the time. Verhoeven's tone is so inconsistent that it's impossible to decide whether he's sending up the Third Reich or in love with it. It's spiritually Nazi, psychologically Nazi. It comes directly out of the Nazi imagination. So Verhoeven is actually the one who introduced the idea of sending up Heinlein's book. Uh, apparently the initial script was much more of a faithful adaptation and Verhoeven goes, uh, I didn't want to do that. He found the book 
conservative, uh, sorry, he found the book uh, fascistic, militaristic and overly supportive of armed conflict, which clashed with his childhood experiences of growing up in Germany, German-occupied Netherlands during World War II. So he was determined that he could use the basic plot of the book to satirise and undermine the book's themes. It's also kind of mad that the Washington Post suggested that in any way mm. he was sympathetic to the Nazis when he grew up in Nazi-occupied Holland. Sure. I mean, it's, I'm just being devil's advocate. It's, it's, an, it's a terrible thing to say. Mm. But there will have been people that grew up in Nazi-occupied towns that be, did become sympathetic mm. be, for whatever reason. Like, you know, but, I mean, I, I suppose it must be unusual, but it must have happened. Like, Vichy France is a thing, so... You, you think you'd check, though. If oh, you, my God, if yeah. You're you level, don't just do it. Level that, <laughs> yeah. that accusation in print, you probably sort yeah. of... You uh, have to do a bit of research yeah. around it. Have to send someone to his hometown. Or ask him, yeah. <laughs> ask, <laughs> just him. ask him. Ask him, but if you want to do a hatchet job on his movie, you're probably yeah. going to go about it in... I mean, there's just no need, is it? Like, if you've missed it, you've missed it. If you genuinely think this man actually is a Nazi sympathiser, you've got to know for sure. Yeah. Before, you're talking about a fucking film like relax like it's ridiculous it's it, it, it's mad uh, Verhoeven said we were accused by the Washington Post of being neo-Nazis it was tremendously disappointing they couldn't see that all I've done is ironically create a fascist utopia he described it as extremely punishing and they had to explain repeatedly that starship troopers was using fascist imagery ironically the weird thing is as I said you get into this weird thing about the book and whether it is indeed promoting a fascist uh, utopia in the first place, because the government in the book is not... I mean, sorry, let's start with the fascist elements. Uh, a belief in military supremacy, identification of enemies and scapegoats as a unifying cause, controlled mass media. But in the book and in the film, there's no nationalism. It's a global community. Also, the government in the novel and in the film, I think, is elected by a pool of individuals who, regardless of race and sex, have chosen to engage in military service. Yes. So... The accusations of fascism really came from Heinlein's uh, notion that citizenship should be a reward for service rather than an automatic right given at birth. And unlike Verhoeven's depiction, Heinlein did not just envisage that to be purely military, but equally valid were administrative and logistical roles. But... The emphasis was nonetheless on military service for the majority. And this is where Heinlein's ideas in 1959, uh, or it might have been 56 actually, came too close for many to the regimes which had been put to bed a mere 16 years earlier. So that was the big bombshell controversy about his book. And it's very pro-violence, wasn't it? It's pro-capital pi- uh, punishment. It's... it's, it's um Oh God! What are the other? There's so many things that I've read that's in the book that that are, are, are posed as a good thing that are in the film and clearly being satirised as actually not a good thing, mm. but presented on television as if they're a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there there are some there are some good ideas in Heinlein's book. There's a brilliant article on Medium.com that goes into a lot of detail on this, and it's. It's about the idea that uh, he said that military should not be segregated based on race or gender, which at that time in the late 50s was an idea so preposterous that it made it into a sci-fi novel, Mm. which obviously in the following decades became 
a normality. And so there were sort of positive things about this book. But, um, but in the book, I think it's saying that corporate, um, capital punishment is a good thing. Mm. In the film, we learn that capital punishment takes place in the, in the space of like five hours. Yeah. Yeah. Which is not a good... I mean, I don't think capital punishment is a good thing, but that presentation is the worst possible <laughs> version of it. Yeah. Um, so the, the amount of articles uh, dissecting what Heinlein meant is astounding. So rather than walk into a quagmire, we have little chance of returning from inside an hour. Let's go with what Verhoeven and Neumeier's intention was with the film. So Verhoeven said to Empire magazine around the time of release, it's a very right-wing book. And with the movie, we tried, and I think at least partially succeeded in commenting on that at the same time. It would be eat your cake and have it. All the way through, we were fighting with the fascism, the ultra-militarism. All the way through, I wanted the audience to be asking... Are these people crazy? Uh, Neumeier says uh, at the time of the film's release in 1997, uh, you want a world that works? Okay, we'll show you one. And it really does work. It happens to be a military dictatorship, but it works. That was the original rhythm I was trying to play with, just to sort of mess with audiences. Anyway, it seems um, mad that anyone at the time who'd seen Robocop this is a big thing that puzzles me. Mm. You've seen Robocop, so you know what Verhoeven is about. You know that satire is his thing. And yes, it's much more nuanced in Starship Troopers. But, you know, it's just crazy that so many people fail to spot this as a satire. Uh, according to Michael Ironside, uh, in a 2014 interview, he said when he asked Verhoeven why he was making a right-wing fascist movie, having read the book, Verhoeven told him, if I tell the world that a right-wing fascist way of doing things doesn't work, no one will listen to me. So I'm going to make a perfect fascist world. Everyone is beautiful. Everything is shiny. Everyone has big guns and fancy ships, but it's only good for killing fucking bugs. <laughs> um, on the subject of casting, uh, he pilfered the casts of Beverly Hills 90210 and Melrose Place uh, to make this. He said that all the actors in Hollywood who he thought might have been suitable had kind of aged out. Apparently, Mark Wahlberg and Matt Damon auditioned for the Casper Van Dien role, um, but he liked Casper Van Dien because he was from a military family and indeed read the original book, which is still on the syllabus and recommended reading at all military academies in the USA. Yeah, I wow. think that was up until about three years ago. Oh, has it been taken yeah, off now? Yeah, but it's been there for 50, 60 years. So he'd, uh, he'd read the book... Uh, Patrick Muldoon, who plays Xander, Melrose Place, Casper uh, Van Dien, Denise Richards, Dina Meyer, all from Beverly Hills 90210. Um, I'll do a little bit on the bugs, because um, it's uh, Phil Tippett, who uh, worked on Ed 209 Stop Motion on Robocop, is back again, but he'd upgraded to CGI at this point. So all the big battle scenes are largely his work, and Verhoeven insisted that he do it because he wanted to basically entrust all those bugs running amok to him. Uh, in the book, uh, the bugs are spider-like but hold weapons. He said he didn't want that. He didn't want men in suits portraying these. He wanted giant insects. And they're based on, I think you can tell this, rhinoceros beetles, staghorn beetles, and most excitingly of all, an abandoned design for the Shriekers from Tremors 2 Aftershocks. <laughs> which I love. Uh, by the way, someone suggested Tremors versus Deep Rising, and I think that's a brilliant idea. Uh, right, Verhoeven, uh, even... Do you know what? 
that's enough. This has got the most CGI <laughs> shots of any movie at this point. No movie had more than 200 CGI shots until this came along. Wow. This had 500 in it, which is why half the $110 million budget went solely on CGI, which I think is also why it still looks very good today. Yeah. Um, sadly, well, they saved a lot of money in the casting, though, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> you get what you pay for, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, I think Verhoeven himself even went... <clears throat> Oops. <laughs> He's, he's no. acknowledged. He's acknowledged on some level that he thinks it might have been an easier sell to people, to critics at the time, had the acting been better. Yeah, but he also said that for him, looks were more important than performance. And I think actively he wanted some of these bad performances in this film. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he said that he picked Casper uh, Van Dien, not because he was cheaper than Mark Wahlberg and Matt Damon, but that <laughs> he had the look he was trying to emulate from the uh, Lenny Reffenstahl Nazi propaganda films, which obviously yeah. we talked about in the Commando episode. Yeah, and forget Ryan Gosling. This is Kendall made mm. real. Yeah. It's, it's mad what he looks. When he's in a tuxedo, he just doesn't look like a real human being. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, the bad word of mouth uh, from the critic reviews and the fact that Verhoeven says it was marketed appallingly in the States it's particularly. It's all come from marketing, Paul. That's <laughs> not very nice. He says it wasn't marketed as a satire. It was marketed as a big space action movie. But that's because that's big what he made. <laughs> action movies sell and satire doesn't. So yeah. you're going to market it as that. Uh, so it only made $121 million at the time. But it's had quite... If you say cult classic, I'm going to have to. It's had a reappraisal. Okay, fine. Mm. Turning it into a cult (laughs) classic. Definitely. Mm. One for our times. The very definition. Yeah. Uh, So that's all I got. Any more for any more? All right, let's talk about this movie. We get our first look at the Federal Network. News propaganda, delivering exposition of the future, the invasion of Clendathu, the bug homeworld is underway. An ugly planet, a bug planet, a planet hostile to life as we know it. Mm. Reporter gets killed. We'll talk about that later. And we see Rico get wounded. Mm. We're told that 100,000 people died in an hour. Mm. And what's interesting, watch it this time and really try and analyse it is, well, is that true? Or is that something that the Federation is telling people to try and radicalise them, designed to get people to sign up? You really, really don't know what is true in this film because you don't know what's been written by the federal network. 100, 110%. So the fact, and we'll come to it, that the bugs are using bug plasma to fire asteroids at Earth, that has no visual reference in the film. You're just told that. You never see it actually happen. I'm a man from the planet. Bug batteries. You see the plasma, which seems to just pass through things rather than project them. We, also, see, we see a bug project a, a rock we into don't. the air. We don't. We oh. see it fire bug plasma into the air. Okay. The idea of firing an asteroid, even like physics-wise, across space to hit yes. a specific yeah. target. So, so the idea. So no, there's nothing true. No, it's, <laughs> I don't all, think. It's, it's all propaganda. Uh, let's listen to what uh, Radcek has to say. Uh, we learn uh, from him, democracy failed. Social scientists messed up, so the veterans took back control. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought this was quite a young military government, but he says in this lesson that it's been going on for generations. Generations have benefited from this. Citizenship is only gained through federal service, which grants rights like voting, and breeding, uh, voting is force. Violence is a supreme authority from which all other authority is derived. Uh, Diz pipes up, violence never solves anything. 
Uh, I wonder what the city fathers of Hiroshima would say to that. Nope, topical. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, uh, one thing hasn't evolved, um, and it's taken something of a backward step, really, from where we are right now. Chalkboard. Uh, the, the smartphone. Uh, Rico appears to be doing a weird animated kiss on an etcher sketch. <laughs> uh, you know, you roll the dice. Verhoeven got fake news right. That's what I love about stuff like this, because he really got fake news right, mm. and he got you know the click of the, the, the drop down menu yep. and all of that. Yep. Mm. But then the tech for the the results board is bananas. It's, that's just a big board and privacy is obviously no longer a thing. So. But like you say, you roll the dice. Like you can't, you know, if you got it right all the time, you'd work on Minority Report. <laughs> uh, passive aggressive rad check. I doubt anyone here would recognise civic virtue if it reached up and bit you in the ass. Mm. So he's basically, he's not saying it directly, but he is going... Do federal service, you yeah. pussies. Yes. He's being presented as Mr. Chips, the perfect teacher. And <laughs> yeah. actually, when you're really listening to what he's saying, it's all bad advice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we get this introduction of this uh, romantic love triangle, mm-hmm. probably the beating heart <laughs> of this film. Sure. Diz likes Rico. Rico <laughs> likes Carmen. Uh, Carmen may or may not be Rico's girlfriend. He says she is, but she flirts with a career as a pilot and every other man on screen. <laughs> and they, they haven't had relations. <laughs> they haven't had sex yet. Um, and he's 29 years old. I mean, he's not supposed to be in this film, <laughs> but he is the actor and he looks 29. That is a very old virgin. Uh, we meet Carl, <laughs> Neil Patrick Harris, who is psychic uh, because some humans are in the 23rd century, uh, I guess. Uh, let's not explore that anymore. Nope. Uh, also in the 23rd century, a psychic ferrets. Let's just have that as a thing. <laughs> um, we get a dissection scene, just grabbing bits of an Arcalian sand beetle. Yeah, sure, but it's again, it's an exposition-heavy scene, but you're not really listening. It's, it's, it's done brilliantly mm-hmm. because you're watching the bugs. So yeah, it is good. You've got Blanche. You know that's Blanche from Golden Girls doing oh, the exposition. Yeah. <laughs> wow, I yeah, didn't know that. Rue McClanahan, yeah. But she's talking about the bugs have no ego, no fear, don't know about death, perfect member of society. This is what they want. Yeah. Carmen vomits. Uh, welcome to your first major film role, Denise Richards. Uh, here you'll be required to throw up over yourself. Next year, <laughs> wild things. <laughs> oh, let's do that while Vicky's away. I like that film. No, I know. It's a great film. I like it it's very much. Great I love the ending where she's knocked out her teeth. I've always loved that. <laughs> so, a couple of scenes that were deleted here, which show, uh, show more of Carmen. And Rico's relationship. There's a great scene uh, where she won't let him come over because her dad is there and he asks why her dad hates him. And she goes, it's not you. It's your parents. They're not citizens. Right. Which I think is a really interesting idea that the citizen, because it's not really explored that non-citizens are vilified by citizens. No, and I'm sure it's intentional, but... Rico's life looks affluent, clean, comfortable. Mm. So him wanting to be a citizen to you, you sorry, mm. another version of this film is like you've got underclass and, and, and citizens and to not be a citizen, like any Margaret Atwood novel, all the rest of it, not anyone, um, if, you ha- if you're not a citizen, you live outside of a biosphere where you're going to die and you're mm. breathing in toxic, whatever, but you don't get the distinction here and I, is that intentional that it doesn't it's, seem that good? Like It's really, really interesting and that's why I thought this was a fascistic <clears throat> government in yeah. its infancy because the idea that that hate of her citizen parents yeah. towards Rico's non-citizen was going to grow and grow and grow until the government started taking away things from non-citizens yeah. and giving 
giving them to citizens, which is why I think it's doubly confusing when it says this government has been in power for generations, because it really works, the idea of that, that blossoming of hate between those who are citizens and those who haven't become citizens. But it's not really explored. Uh, there's also another scene here, uh, slightly less necessary, where uh, Rico fondles her boob on a lawn. So that, mm. uh, that didn't make it in. Oh, OK. I know, it's a shame. Um, there's some more great Denise Richards scenes that were cut uh, later. So uh, they're all on YouTube, just to say. Uh, so Carl tries to implant a thought in Rico's head. That's important. Uh, comes back later. Uh, he does it to his pet ferret, Serrano. Uh, thus proving Rico is stupider than a ferret. <laughs> I think. Less pliable pliable than a ferret. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, we have some kind of future sport mm. now. Chris, what is this future sport? <laughs> you uh, love sports. Is it, is, I'm not sure if it's called jump ball or future ball. Right. I've seen it called both of those things. Okay. I prefer jump ball. Jump ball's great, yeah. seeing um, as it involves a lot of jumping. Now, are they on some special, in special suits or on some special pitch? Or can people in this 23rd century future do high. flips over <laughs> other humans? Well, Rico can, because it's actually there for a reason. Because later, yes. when Rico attacks a bug he uses, he uses his jumping his skills <laughs> so i don't know i would just like to see but he made me think oh could we get a speedball movie you mentioned speedball oh, three God. the other day that never happened that's great um no th- i want a f- I want a 90 minute film about jump ball yeah <laughs> and i'll write it yeah <laughs> I, I mean if you've got time after your star wars book then definitely yeah. commit. Oh, and, the, and the and the dynamo project yeah. and total film want you back <laughs> Dynamo could be in the jump ball movie, though. That's of course, a great he could. Idea. He's magic. He's magic. Uh, so Carmen is flirting with Xander, Patrick Muldoon, in front of Rico. Naughty. Carmen looks directly at Xander as she kisses Rico. Double naughty. Rico is in love with her, though, and he's going to join federal service because he thinks Carmen will love him or at least say, I love you at some <laughs> point in the future. We've all been there. Clutching at straws, Rico. She is not interested. <laughs> She is playing the jump ball field, literally. <laughs> but there's there's all this hinting at the larger world. So his dad mentions the lashings in the public square. Mm, he, it's it's all just slowly but surely you're seeing that this what we're seeing is not the perfect world that they're telling us it is. Well, that's right. His parents don't want Rico to do federal service. His dad says, uh, Mr. Radchek, silly name. Burn. <laughs> That's how you're going to convince him. Uh, but he does try and entice Rico not to do federal service with a holiday. How about a trip to the Outer Rings? Zegama Beach. Huh? Sounds like a sex beach. Ah. Uh, I think it's implied that it's some sort of sex holiday. What's a sex beach? It's a beach where people have sex, Vicky. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, swingers and all that. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, great. Um, I didn't we, know. We sometimes go. Alex oh, and I. oh um, what's nice. that? What's that famous beach you go to? Broadstairs. <laughs> yeah. It is not like that there. I don't How know. dare you? I'm asking. I'm asking. Hey, I'm just have you done, asking a question. Have you done Broadstairs after dark? <laughs> oh my. It's you... called Broadstairs Fantasia. It's where <laughs> dreams do. come true. I don't go to a famous beach. I go to Viking Bay in Broadstairs and it's very family oriented. Ele- electric Broadstairs. Yeah. 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 Those Viking costumes, they just pop off after 11 pm. <laughs> 
I would like to see that. Okay, carry on. Uh, we get a prom. You love a prom, don't I do, you? I do, I do, I do, yeah. Uh, I like the beats of this. I'm like, dance with me. No, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's saying bye-bye. Dizzy's going to play professional jump ball uh, for either Rio or Tokyo. Uh, yeah, they're in Rio, of course. Uh, 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 Buenos Aires, rather. Buenos Aires, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, that always confused me It is confused. It confused me this time. I was like, what? No, it's, it's fantastic. It's, no, it's good. It's, it's good. such a good... You know the the what the emerging markets, the BRICS markets, things like that, and then to have what we think of as like a very Western cast and very mm. sort of you know blue blooded white teeth Americans, yeah. and it's like no Buenos Aires is the centre of uh, growth and power and affluent lifestyles, and it's mm. just a bit of a culture shock for us. I like that because Rico's from the Philippines in the book, right? So they they've obviously kept him kept that name and, and given that ge- geographical lo- a geographical location that isn't America but yeah. they made him blonde blue Very eyed American, American yeah. boy which is interesting yeah uh, the woman singing I've not been to paradise at the prom is uh, Zoe Pulduris uh, the uh, daughter of the composer and that is a cover of the David Bowie song I've not been to Oxford town Oh, yeah. nice. Off his underrated album Outside which uh, I very much enjoyed and once probably wrongly said was his best album on camera foolish and then couldn't really back it up <laughs> oh, everyone, what about this and what about this and what about this <laughs> I didn't know you were a Bowie guy I didn't know are you that. a Bowie guy I love you continue to surprise we've been friends for like five years now. best friends best friends I swear I've I, talked about Bowie loads his original version not the Pet Shop Boys remake his original version on outside of Hello Space Boy is phenomenal okay. yeah. that's why I like it okay uh, it's uh, yeah Anyway, Carmen, uh, the little minx, she's father's not home. Sorry, can you just dial this down a notch? <laughs> Carmen needs to dial it down. It's Denise Richards. You have to talk like that. Okay. It, a, she's a minx. A, it's Denise Richards, who I, I was legitimately in love well, so with. So why do you hate her so much right now? Because I'm a grown man and I can see that she's breaking poor Rico's heart. <laughs> okay. And doing it in such a obvious way. It's not that obvious. It's really she's obvious. She's just an ambitious young woman. Wait until I get to the deleted scenes. Oh, for God's sake. They're not in the film, they don't count. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but do you know why? Because the audience uh, wanted them out because Paul Verhoeven said people really hated her okay. and were very vocal about it in focus groups. So. And that, yet they've been taken out and yet you're still being vocal about how much you hate her with Ugh. what's in front of you. They yeah. hated her even more. <laughs> 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 Love Denise Richards. Not a fan of Carmen. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. Just... Just say, I love you. You're not going to see him again. It's fine. Say goodbye like that. He says, I love you. You shouldn't sell someone you love them if you don't. There, yeah, you're right. I've, I've never heard those words. So. <laughs> Crying. Yeah. Uh, right, then, let's take a quick break because we're off into space. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist. 
specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello, space boy. <laughs> Hello, space boy. <laughs> so good. Uh, right then, uh, more federal network first. Crime and punishment. Murderer captured this morning. Tried that day, like Chris said. Mm. Live execution that night. That's Ed Newmeyer, the it writer is. there. Legend. Uh, we got a little bit about Mormon, ex- Mormon extremists establishing Port Joe Smith in the Arachnid Zone. Mm. But again... Were they let there to justify the war? Oh, were they placed nice. there? Were yeah. they like, yeah, go, go on, go on, go on, shove your Port Joe Smith there? Uh, so, welcome to one of the greatest aspects of this movie. It's Clancy Brown being awesome <laughs> as career sergeant drill instructor Zim. <laughs> that, just that very quick, that Mormon thing, though. The guy does say at the end, uh, too late they realised that Dantana had already been chosen by other colonists. Yes. Arachnids. It's just telling us they were there first. Mm. Yeah. This is their home that you have invaded yeah. as Mormons. Yeah. And so it's all there if you're just listening or reading between the lines. Yeah, but that's it, true. it's so fast the way it comes at you that you just you just don't take it in, I don't think. Sorry, Tancy, Clancy Brown, Sergeant Zim. Yes, please. Yeah. Absolutely. Medic! <laughs> that repeated gag is awesome. He's just so good when he breaks the guy's arm. Fantastic. And then Diz crashes Rico's party. Yes. And Rico is so pissed off, he literally grins as she's choked out by Zim. <laughs> He's like, yeah, you shouldn't have come here. It's mad. He's grinning. He is. You're right. You munter. <laughs> yeah. Yuck, are you here? Are you choking? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, it's beautiful. Look at you. <laughs> Mad. Uh, Jake Boosie. Uh, love it. Loving a bit of Boosie. Uh, not quite his dad, but still brilliant. Uh, gets a knife through his hand. Medic! Uh, we see, as we talked about on Monday, the recruits in mixed showers. Um, interesting that... Uh, Paul Verhoeven said, I'm going to want you all naked in this. Um, yeah. Dina Meyer was like, well, you know, it's all very easy for you, you to say that. that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Are you so going to do it? He did. 
He didn't. Him he did, and the yeah. cinematographer no, it's not shot, about. shot yeah. this scene completely naked. He really? He yeah. out for this whole scene. Is it really? Yeah. Really? Oh, I like it. Yeah. But I don't think anyone asked the director of photography. He just, he just turned <laughs> up and was like, hey guys, yeah. are we having a party? Do you know why? Because he grew up in a nudist colony. So he was Is like, that a sex beach? That, oh my God, it all comes <laughs> back round. Is that a sex beach? Uh, a nudist colony? Yeah. If no, it's on a beach. Really do- if it's on a beach, it's a do- sex beach. Is that a common misconception with nudism? Yeah. No, what they try and do is go... Oh, we don't have sex. Turn the cameras off. <laughs> Jesus. Right. Oh, man. What oh, was that noise? not done that. Is that the noise you made? <laughs> Alex. Oh, I'm no. I'm trying to make the worst noises. I'm not. That. You're completely silent. <laughs> yeah, what, would you, what would you prefer? That or... <laughs> just this. Uh, just look. Listeners, Alex is just staring <laughs> into Vicky's eyes. Your eyes were closed. That would just be so bad. <laughs> <laughs> just really concentrated. Why did we look at Paul Verhoeven and go, we can beat that? <laughs> we can fucking beat that. We can make it weirder. This day keeps getting weirder and weirder. Anyway, as we discussed on Monday, it's about the fact that they're nude and... They don't even look at each other's bits. Yeah. They're yeah. more concerned with the indoctrination. But also... Um, all their careers, their dedication to the fascist military and government. And what they want as well. It's not like they've yeah, been... Yeah, it's, it's abs- the what I want scene, which yeah. every war film has, when yes. they all meet up the battalion, that everyone has to say why they're there. And mm-hmm. um, we're not necessarily listening to it because we're looking at a lot of bums and breasts sure. and very attractive people. Yeah. But we're learning that you can't get a baby licence unless you serve. And it's yeah. like, whoa, what is this world? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Verhoeven did it as well. Um, he says it was criticised, but he believed such criticism was hypocritical. It was easier to depict extreme violence in American films without censorship than nudity. And what's interesting about this scene, which um, I hadn't picked up on until this watch, is the fact that some of them, as they're describing the jobs they want, uh, one says uh, his plan to attend Harvard would cost him an arm and a leg. We see him dismembered later. Oh. Yeah. Uh, the farmer who is laughed at for being stupid and not having a brain gets mm, his brains gets his blown. blown. Oh wow, out. that is clever. Uh, the woman who wants to be a mother gets dragged into a womb-like cave by a bug. Is that true? I mean, it happens to her. Okay. I mean, womb-like caves are stretch, but you know, you can't win them all. <laughs> uh, so. We learn, just like you said, a little bit about each recruit, just enough to also notice them when they die. Uh, great. Ace plays the violin. Unexpected every time I see it. Yes. I don't know what I think of it. Yeah, it's sort of just an odd choice it's like for a that character. Homesteady thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, and it's Ed Newmeyer wanted him playing uh, the song that they play on the violin in the Wild Bunch before they all go to their deaths. Oh, okay. So it's a little homage to the brilliant <clears throat> Wild Bunch. Rico's busy leaving a personal message to Carmen. <laughs> How little he knows. <laughs> How little he knows, the poor, naive grunt. Because uh, she's racing off on her first flight of a starship with Amy Smart. This is the best bit where she's like, no one could keep up with me at the simulation. Push his button. <laughs> is that a lot of skill? <laughs> uh, Amy Smart's character, and I just cannot believe that you would waste a name like this by never using it, Stack Labreza. Wowzers. <laughs> what a name. Stack Labreza. Say it once. Mm. Or it's, give it to another character. It's no Stack of Pentecost, though, is it? It's no Stack of Pentecost. It's not far off. It's no Pacific Rim, but Stack Labreza <laughs> is pretty good. Um, love the fact that we're in the future 
and spaceships have parking sensors. Oh, they do. But when they reverse <laughs> out, <laughs> five meters <laughs> from wall. They're never going to not be useful. No, no, it's great. Four How would you improve that test? Yeah. Oh, self-driving cars. All right, yeah. There yeah. we go. Sorry. Yeah, but then we don't have a stack Labreza. No, we don't. We, we don't need one. We don't. Uh, also. I get the fact she's a good pilot. Seems fucking reckless to me. It's like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. She's a she's, bit... She's, she's Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, she also gets two spaceships hit by plasma, so she can't be that good, although the intel was bad. But didn't we so. say that about Maverick in Top Gun? That he's the worst did. of the pilots because right. of the way he behaves, yeah. but he's the best of the best. Uh, yeah, meanwhile, back at boot camp, uh, they're playing Laser Quest. Um, Rico mm. and Diz make friends. <laughs> it, it made me think of American Gladiators, actually. Uh, right. And it looked like a lot of fun. Yeah. It did look like fun. <laughs> did look like fun, except when you went to Laser Quest. Hey! Did you just hear that? As a kid, that's the same story. Quite <laughs> said, always some older men there who were probably in the TA who took it way too seriously. That's and still true. I covered took, their packs. I took a group of boys for my son's mm. birthday to Laser Quest in Bromley, and I was like, Where, "What's this? Who are these? What are these thirty-year-old men yeah. going with, in there with for? war paint on their face, wearing <laughs> camouflage? Yeah. And they pushed them out of the VR queue. With, you with get real... this little thing, and the boys get to go on the VR. I think I was like, "It's for kids," and these men were like, "Excuse me," and it's like, "Are you joking? Yeah. Yeah. Why did you, you got... just push a seven-year-old out of the way?" And why have you got real guns? <laughs> it's really heartbreaking because the kids come out and they put the score on the board in the waiting area so that everyone can see it. And all the kids come out and they're like, oh. oh. Because all the men are like yeah. one to ten. All the all kids teach are... them to be better. Mm. Happened, true, happened at Laser Quest in the Victoria Arcade in Leeds when I was a kid. Brutal. It was always, you, you always went as kids and you always got just men taking it way too <laughs> fucking seriously. I thought they'd all moved on to paintball now. I'm That's surprised. That's what I thought, yeah. Surprised they're still hanging out there. Yeah. Worrying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Carmen's met Xander again, who's her instructor. So she breaks up with Rico from the orbit of Jupiter. Classic Carmen. <laughs> Classic. But also, Ed yeah. Newmeyer said, I wanted to put every war movie cliche into this film. And he has. I mean, this has been done to death in the 40s and 50s. Mm-hmm. The love triangle and you losing your your woman to another soldier and all yeah. that kind of thing. And it's done in the most soap opera way possible, which is why it's great. They are Beverly Hills 90210 actors, because that's what they did. Just when I watched it at the time, I thought this is just shit for yeah. shit's sake. But now it's like, no, this is all on it's purpose. Absolutely yeah. meant to be. Yeah. Absolutely meant to be cheesy romance against ultraviolence uh, set in this yeah. hideous utopia. I think Paul Verhoeven might be the greatest director ever. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I do too. Breckenridge's head explodes. Still shocking. Every time I see it, every time I see it, it just always shocks me. So Rico gets 10 lashes. Yeah, that's because that, that happened I think, in the book. Someone gets hurt or something, but there's no one getting killed. No. It's just everything's taken to an extreme because this does actually follow the plot of the book mm-hmm. relatively closely. Yeah, I think the, the, the Neil Patrick Harris stuff is all new, which is some of the best stuff, I think. But yeah, the, the basic story is the same. It's just everything's much more extreme. And piss-taking. The, the book as well, uh, one of the criticisms levelled at it is it keeps coming back, so it flashes back to, yeah, to, the, to high school. Mr Radchek doing the lesson at the start, and that feels less like a character and more like Heinlein basically setting out yes. his manifesto. Exactly, they're having in arguments the in the class, yeah. Uh, so... Back in space. Three weeks aboard a starship and you think you can lick my navs? It sounds too close to lick my navs. Nabs, yeah. Is it meant to? I hope so, I guess. I Otherwise, who, what's everyone doing? Xander. Ugh, I can anticipate you. You know what I want. <laughs> <laughs> 
Carmen gets what she deserves. Uh, <laughs> an asteroid knocks out comms. It's heading for Earth. Rico's decided to leave after he got Breckenridge killed. He calls his parents. Refusal of the call. Mm. It's got to happen at this point. It's a bit late, isn't it? Yeah, well, <laughs> and, and, and it's not a pure refusal, but it's um, it's very quickly dealt with, isn't it? Yeah. I I'm think, off, I'm back. Yeah, he comes back. Uh, he gets his thing ripped up because uh, he calls his parents and an asteroid blocks out the sun and dad goes is that rain <laughs> is that rain <laughs> mum goes awfully dark it's like, they, honestly you deserve it we are idiots uh and but who lets him back in it's him Bloody Zim, but also Hank from Breaking Bad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, of course. Well, yeah. Because he's in him. every single film we've ever done. <laughs> uh, well, he's in Total Recall, he's in so he's, he's a big Verhoeven guy. Yeah. It's always nice to see him. Uh, he was inside the Ed 209 suit in Robocop. <laughs> <laughs> of course he was. Yep. Uh, so Bug Plasma, as we said, this is just... Mm. Uh, bug Plasma shooting asteroids out of the orbit. This isn't given enough... Like consideration, like people just accept this, even when they watch this film through this lens. And it needs to be said, this is propaganda, in my opinion. Yeah, this is the Federation. A thousand percent agree. Mm. D- does the film need to do more? If if I didn't get it and you didn't get it the first time, watched it, and 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 the critics didn't get it, or. Is it fuck the critics? It's there. You've just got to pay attention, and we're not going to spoon feed you this story. I enjoy it more now because I think it's cleverer. But did I understand it the first time? No. But mm. it's, it's 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 sort of one of those things, isn't it? It inhabits this area where if it was more obvious, it'd be too on the nose. Yeah. And the fact that you have to look for it and then you realise it is kind of rewarding. It felt very special watching it this time mm. compared to any time I've watched it before. Yeah. And I've been sober. I agree. I agree. Uh, and I, I too was sober. Uh, so um, the other argument for this is uh, Verhoeven basically drops hints, you know, about this manufactured conflict and it may well be a reference to something called the Gulf of Tonkin incident, which is how the US got heavily involved in the Vietnam War because they falsely claimed the North Vietnamese had uh, performed an attack on their navy, and it was then proved to have been a lie. <gasps> and this is what Verhoeven, or Ed Newmyer rather, may be referencing with this scene. And the reason that has come to light is because of Starship Troopers mm. 3, where he names a base after a US base during the Vietnam War. I mean, there's a history of that in almost every modern war now, mm. of these manufactured or exaggerated stats yep. to, to, to radicalise or just to get everyone on side. Mm. It's very true. It's very true. Uh, so we see the result of the hit on Buenos Aires, as you said, on Monday. Uh, that is the producer. John Davison. John Davison. Uh, we see a dead dog. Don't need to see that. Oh, Although true. I do, because it's propaganda. So for once, mm. I don't mind seeing a dead dog because it affected me. Radicalises like, Alex. Oh, I was on their side. Kill these bugs. <laughs> I'm, I'm sad when Rico's dad dies. He thinks it's hilarious, but he's upset about the dog. <laughs> anyway, Sky Marshal Deans is sending men to Clendathu. Oh, Sky Marshal Deans, your intelligence isn't great. Your intelligence <laughs> isn't great. Some more brilliant footage of kids handling guns, yeah. kids crushing cockroaches. Do your part. <laughs> that is pulled from actual propaganda videos used at the time um, in uh, a car. God. 
I think it was the Nazis' propaganda films, but that that expression, do your part. Mm. And and actually, having the villains be bugs, you know, the Nazis called the Jews vermin. Mm -hmm. We've got that history recently of the Tutsis in Rwanda. Tutsis were referred to as cockroaches. We're literally having that made large here. Well, yeah, the US, though, during the Pacific War with the Japanese, referred one of their generals referred to them as some of the most intelligent insects he'd ever fought. Mm, That's gross. So, well, that came about because a lot of people think, uh, because of when it was written and his history, Heinlein was actually referencing the US's uh, war with the Japanese in his book. So, countdown to victory, misguided. Uh, Our reporter Mm. says, Our intrusion into bug habitat has caused this. Sorry, this is on his words, but this is about the only direct suggestion by any character in the film that actually a live and let live policy would be preferential... To some it's the people. most important line in the film, and it's thrown away. He says, some say the bugs were provoked by the intrusion of humans into their natural habitat, mm. that a live-and-let-live policy is preferable to war. But very quickly, Rico jumps in and says, I'm from Buenos Aires, and I say kill them all. Yep. Yep. And that's what you come away remembering, mm. because you're not paying attention to that line, and yet that is telling you what we're seeing yes. isn't true. We're telling you what happened. Uh, and also, I, I've got uh, I got a little bit of a theory on this because oh. I think the reporter, because he says that, and it's almost the only dissenting voice in the film, yeah. and he's live being broadcast from this base, and then he gets ripped limb from limb, and I wonder whether the Federation sent him into a dangerous zone because it seems kind of absurd that his cameraman just carries on filming him being ripped limb from limb and i wonder whether the federation because he's given a dissenting voice have gone we want to film him being ripped limb from limb because that's what happens to people who don't toe the party line yeah that's I like theory. it. I like it. That's my theory, and I'm sticking to it. Uh, Xander and Rico have a fight set to Mazzy Star. It's so strange that Mazzy <laughs> Star is is on. I mean, it's it fits time wise, but it's that's such a chill song. Mm. <laughs> so, it is. It's a beautiful song. It is. Um, yeah, stupid fight, but fine. Uh, bug plasma. It's going to be random and light. It's not. It's going to destroy. Everything. So they get their asses handed to them. Uh, the mum who wanted, wanted to be a mom died. The guy wanted to be a writer. He's dead. I think he dies at this point. Um, so, like you said at the start, 100,000 dead in one hour. Sky Marshal Dean's gone. Sky Marshal Tarhat Meru to fight the bug. We must understand the bug. Uh, interesting. She's a, a woman of colour, Denise Douse, who plays her. Um, again, it's a fascist state, but is it that now in this utopia, because it's a global community, yes, there is no nationalism, like you say, because you know, your enemy is without exactly than within. So Earth is basically planet fascist. Yes, and yeah, we're all united. We yep. don't need to turn on each other mm-hmm. because the enemy is up there. Yeah, and and that's the reason we're having this war because there's no more war on Earth. Mm. Yes, and so to keep the people under control mm. and to keep fascism fresh and strong, you need to fight someone. And therefore, we've gone after these bugs. We've invaded their territory uh, for mining purposes, but to have this war. Yes, and that's Heinlein's 
rhetoric in his book, which is that you always need to be prepared for war or ready to engage in war to keep the system working. Mm. Um, and again, largely to keep the military developing and an influx of money into the military because that develops everything and, quicker. And on the yes. commentary, Verhoeven says the, 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 the message of the film is simple. War makes fascists of all of us. Right. Uh, Carmen thinks Rico's dead. Uh, what is the point of this? I don't bit? know. Yeah, so he's just... not dead. So I'm I'm being generous with my reading. I'm like mm-hmm. an, an act, in actual war, a real war. It's obviously chaos, and people are reported dead that they're not dead. Mm. But in a film, and you're used to being fed a narrative, you go, oh, here we are. What's going to happen now is you get put on secret covert ops because everyone thinks you're dead. Mm. And then he's just like, hey, welcome to the Roughnecks. It's like it's, it's just a mistake. For, for me, it's just, for me. I, I agree with you. I'm like, why is this happening? And then when I read Newmar saying he wanted to put every war cliche in there, it's a war cliche that the girl thinks the boy okay. is dead and then they have their tearful moment together where they're okay. reunited. It's there to serve the romance, right. which is so heavy-handed that you sort of get you you're looking for nuance in something that isn't there okay it's it's just it's very broad strokes because there are scenes uh between carmen and uh xander here these were deleted so again you can find them on youtube so what happens now and these were taken out because i was joking earlier but this is why carmen was hated by audiences who saw this original cut with these scenes in the scene starts and she's crying on the bed because she's found in her quarters and because she, she's found out Rico's dead. And he comes in and she goes, yeah, I'm sad. Or something oh, literally not a million miles away from that. <laughs> and he goes, hey, don't be sad and starts kissing her. And then they have sex. Uh, so she goes from mourning Rico yeah. to sleeping with Xander in the same You've got scene. Got to use that energy. Mm. Got to use that energy. Mm. Uh, he performs it with his eyes closed, completely silently, <laughs> which is fit apparently. Sexy, very, very <laughs> sexy. Uh, so yeah, uh, the, the the relationship between Carmen and Xander is still obviously implied in the rest of the movie. There's, a, there's another moment later. This this is this is where it sort of tips into the ridiculous. So when Rico turns out to be alive after they rescue him from the planet, uh, she Xander's like, so how do you feel now? And she's like, yeah, well, I'm pleased he's back, actually. And he's like, cool, that's not awful, seeing as you just slept with me because he was dead, and now he's back, and you're more interested in him. Carmen always wants what she can't have. Wow, okay. <laughs> so... Uh, we see Rico in the Luke Skywalker tube from Empire Strikes Back mm. uh, being healed. Uh, they join Radchek's Roughnecks. They're off to Tango Urilla. Uh, this is where I think intentionally by Verhoeven, you start to feel very sorry for the bugs uh, where yes. they're bombed to shit yeah. and then gunned down because there's that very clever scene which makes you feel sympathy because they've been sort of these hideous like creatures or at least to us like killing machines marauding over the landscape and then you don't believe they have eyes and then there's that close-up of its eye and it's sort of looking around and it looks almost human and fearful and you're like oh man yeah it's different yeah that's changed everything yeah great great uh finally finally rico gets with diz because radchick tells him to um (laughs) so good 20 Uh, minutes yeah. It's the first good bit of advice he's given. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Take, yeah. take your chance. Not for you... Diz. Sex equals death. He doesn't know he's in a Verhoeven movie. <laughs> I don't think historically Verhoeven has, has made that connection. I think in most of his films, 
Uh, there are sex equals he loves. Death. He thinks sex is brilliant, though. He doesn't. I don't think he thinks anything negative of sex. He loves it. He does like it a lot. <laughs> he does. But someone who has sex always dies. Just think about Bob Morton. He didn't have sex. <laughs> he just didn't, literally didn't have sex. <laughs> but he dared to think about it. He dared to even consider it. Now, honestly, I am fucked up because of Paul Verhoeven and he owes me... Some sex. <laughs> or at least a, a, a montage of all his sex scenes that I don't have to cut together myself because I didn't do a very he good doesn't understand. <laughs> he doesn't understand sex, though. He doesn't. When we do Showgirls, right. that scene in the pool... No. <laughs> it's true. It's true. One of the sexiest scenes ever. See, it, I, I'm, I just I misinterpret everything. Right. But it's pretty hot. <laughs> so they go to Planet P, a brand new planet. Uh, really, Hell's Half Acre, located outside of the town of Casper, Wyoming. Uh, we get a new flying bug, which I always found exciting when I was a mm. kid. I was like, it is exciting. It's cool. It is cool. And then he shoots the guy through the heart. And he goes, I'd expect anyone of you to do the same for me. Yep. Foreshadowing. Um, when you get to the compound, they sucked his brains out. Yeah, mm. but also they make you do things. And which is it? Because those two things are different. So they make you do things. It's a false distress call. And they eat your brains. Oh, yeah. Pick a lane, I think. Too much. Yeah, that's true. Maybe they make you do things, then suck your brain out. What's the point of that? Because... If it's protein or whatever, it's just protein. Well, Why the do they need brain to tr- trick you? Bug, the brain bug sucks Xander's brain out, and yeah. you're presuming that is not Fun. for food. That's to learn. Because how else yeah. are they learning from the humans? But making a person do tricks, tricking them, mm. is so different from using the brain in that way. But also, that information comes from this general who is clearly in a trauma in a state of trauma and he's the one who said they made him send the distress call it's a trap when in reality he could have sent it because he wanted rescuing and hiding in a cupboard yes he didn't tell them about the bugs because he was like if i tell them they won't come come, i'm one man here they'll leave me to die so i won't give them the information i'll ask for rescue so it's all a lie i think it's a shame everything you're saying i see it now but you have to be you have to have love for the film to talk about it and to realise it whereas you see it the first time you're like okay fine second time you're like yeah maybe but I wish maybe a bit of hand holding would have been good because then you only bring this view to it with love and if you don't have that love you're just like fuck it I can't be bothered right a bit Maybe, maybe. But Everything you just said is really good. I'd love to watch that scene and go, oh, do they really make you do things? Or was it the, the cowardly general? Yeah, I think But I've already watched the scene and gone, ah, don't I? Right. But yeah. I'll tell you who made the cowardly general do it. It's his brother under his shirt. Oh, my God, it is! It's Quarto oh. from Total Recall is the actor. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's true. I understand what you see, but isn't that most films? Like, you either approach something... Well, some films don't have other layers. You just love yeah. them more and more and they stay the same. Yes, and also this was my movie to do this week and you do tend to spend a lot more yeah, time um, analysing every scene. Yeah, but, but like, the things you're saying are true and so rich and it would be fun, but first time view, you're like, I don't feel if, I get it. What you just said is true. That's really clever, but I didn't clock that whatsoever. So that's new to me. Okay. And I was really trying this time. <laughs> <laughs> I was making notes and everything. You're welcome. Uh, right then. Uh, the... well, I, li- I like the odd lecture, so that's. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind. That was a lecture. That was a lecture. I'm happy to call that a lecture. Who lectured who? <laughs> 
I'm so confused. I, I, I did. Oh, you lectured us? Yes. I don't yeah. see that. But I don't recognise that. understand that I don't mind it. Not like you. You don't mind like having <laughs> delivered a lecture? Yeah, yeah whereas you do mind having delivered a lecture. What is Are you gaslighting me? What is happening? <laughs> right, come on, let's get through this. Yeah, we've not got long to go. Uh, Radchek looks like he's going to shoot the general because Radchek is a badass. Uh, I'm not sure how the command structure works there, but fuck There is him. no command structure anymore. Uh, come on, you apes. You want to live forever? That comes back. Radchek loses his legs. Rico, you know what to do. It's lucky he meant kill him and not get a medic. Because <laughs> <laughs> he would have got a nasty shock when Rico pulls out that oh, guy. No, oh. no, 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 not that. Oh. Get me a medic. Or have sex with him because he did say you've got to take every opportunity that comes your way and so sex true. means death. So true. Yeah, uh, Diz gets badly wounded. The ship arrives with Carmen. How does, sorry, just, I know we are short of time, but no, she kills the massive bug and she's like, I did it. And everyone's like, you did it. And then does she go like Yeah, this? she's celebrating. Oh, re- genuinely. She's, yeah, she, she has ha- a dance. During her celebration. So she dance gets, equals death. Yeah, dance equals death. There we go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a bit of a shitty way for Dizzy to go by being a bit stupid. Yeah. I didn't think it was that. I thought she was running. I didn't. To me, it happens because Rico goes, Diz, look out, because she's running back towards the ship. Yeah. And then he goes, Diz, look out. <laughs> and she turns round, slowing to, and stops running. And at that point, they catch up with her. If she just kept running and Rico kept his mouth shut, yeah, she'd still be with she'd us. She'd still be with us. Um, the tower guys die from uh, Mars Attacks. Um, <laughs> and then we get that moment on the ship. Johnny. <laughs> I'm dying. I'm dying. It's all right. <laughs> because I got to have you. Oh, okay. It's, I mean, it has to be, it, it, he has to be taking the piss out of me, person. I don't know. I think so. I hope so. I, you've got to believe that self-aware. Yes. Yeah. It's all. It's sad though, because Jesus, Rico, tell her you love her. Like, <laughs> she's on her way out. Say, so Carmen's a bitch, but apparently it's fine when he doesn't do it. Rico wasn't dying. <laughs> she is dying. What, 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 what harm does it do? Yeah, You're mom, right. Exactly. You're right. It's not like she's going to come back and go now about now. that love thing. <laughs> What, what does that mean for us? <laughs> now that I'm dead. I hope that won't stand in our way. Uh, so, um, Verhoeven says he believed audiences were not happy about Dizzy dying instead of Carmen. Uh, it had to be one of them, I guess. <laughs> he, he said "He said we were trying to be good feminists. And you can't have two women standing at the end. Are you fucking mental? So you choose. Uh, uh, like I said, Carmen and Xander are the pilots. Rico goes into the cockpit. I always remember this line. M.I. does the dying. Fleet just does the flying. You're welcome for the rescue, by the way, you cunt. <laughs> Just literally. It was established how dangerous what this mission was, yeah. flying into this compound. You literally but, said, have you got a crazy yeah. pilot? Yeah. Yes, she's come yeah. to get you. Fleet just does the flying. Really good flying, though. So, <laughs> shut up. And also get out of the cockpit. This is our zone. Um, as I said, there's a deleted scene where Carmen breaks up with Xander because... <laughs> Carmen. Uh, Muldoon, Patrick Muldoon, on the relationship of Xander and Carmen. I don't know whether you agree with this statement. Uh, see how you feel. Uh, he says, what we finally ended up with, I think, is actually a slightly tougher version of the relationship between Han Solo and Princess Leia in the Star Wars movies. All right. Oh, be careful. <laughs> Just be careful. He, 
It's a big swing. It really is. It's a big swing. Uh, Carl arrives too late for Dizzy's funeral by seconds, which is sort of weird. It's also brilliant, and I think this is very funny, that she gets a full military funeral mm. and no one else does. Loads of people have died, but yeah. they've brought her back and he's like, I'm just going to talk about her. I always presume that it's because most people just died on the planet yes. and there were in so many numbers that it was impossible to ship yeah. them all back. But you'd give them a mention, wouldn't you? Probably. Well, they but- got that digital board. Oh, didn't they? Oh, yeah. But also, you see how brainwashed Rico's become that he's sad that she's dead, but he's happy that she died a citizen of the Federation. Mm. And it's like, this is all wrong. Yes. Yeah. And I also. But like- then that's not an arc, is it? That's what he wanted at the beginning. So, okay, I get it. But he, ha- he was always brainwashed, wasn't he? Yes. I don't think he was ever planning on going career. Right. Like, uh, whereas now he's gone from doing federal service to become a citizen and then oh, returned to He had to just work. signed up for Carmen, really, though. True, that is true, yeah. Absolutely. Um, uh, I like how haunted Carl looks now. It's mm, yeah, great yeah. performance from Neil yeah, Patrick and Harris. I think, I think they've given him some makeup as well to look, make him look a bit shattered yeah. and, a, and a bit broken. Mm. Um, he admits that he knew their mission had limited survival chances, but there was a brain bug there. We're in it for the species. It's simple numbers and they have more. Mm-hmm. Um, so they got, but they've got to go back, lads. Yeah, we're off back to planet P to find a brain bug. Uh, th- they don't learn that blue plasma. It's bad news. Why are you <laughs> driving into it again? Like last time you said go to high orbit. Stay in high orbit. I don't understand. I think it's maybe because of the dropships. In the book, they came down in these brilliant clear capsules that peeled off layer after layer as they entered the atmosphere, but it was way too expensive. And also they involved parachutes, which Verhoeven did not like. So uh, the captain of the, what's it called, the Roger Young, gets crushed. Uh, They crash, Carmen and... Uh, Xander into a cavern. Xander gets his brain sucked out because it's of a Hover movie and sex equals death. <laughs> I told you. Deleted scene. He has sex with Carmen. One of them has to die. Uh, Watkins dies like Burke and Vasquez in Aliens. Uh, they catch the brain bug. Uh, Carmen says, after everyone's cheering, whenever the three of us are together, <laughs> I get the feeling things will work. Diz's funeral was that morning. <laughs> that fucking morning, I know, Carmen. She hates that bitch, though. She's like, I see Jesus. you. I see you she sniffing around here. Ice. She is ice. <laughs> she was at the funeral. She's at the funeral. She's like, ah, when the three of us, no one else. There was no other friend in this group. When the three of us specifically are together, things always work out for, for the three of us. <laughs> fucking Carmen, man. Classic Carmen. Uh, right, Carmen becomes captain. Uh, Rico becomes in charge of Rico's Roughnecks. Uh, he says, Radchek's line, which is very clever because it just shows the meat grinder. The fact that he is now saying, yes. come on, you apes, you want to live forever. It's like it's just one after the other. Rico will do it until he gets killed and someone else will be doing it using that same line. It's the conveyor belt mm. for this military uh, <coughs> government and our beautiful idiots from the start have become the propaganda soldiers propaganda children for the next generation of recruits for federal service in a war which cleverly isn't ended within this movie. It's yeah. just suggested vaguely by the TV, by the federal network, mm. that we found a brain bug. All we need to do is just a bit of investigation and then we'll have it and it's just going to go on forever ad infinitum. So, as I said at the start, not a success at the time. Uh, some reappraisals. Uh, it's a cult classic. It's a cult classic. I know you love that, V. Mm-hmm. Uh, some uh, arguments for why 
Uh, it was not a success at the time. I never heard. Do you know what Poe's Law is? No. OK. Uh, so some people argue that Starship Troopers was an example of Poe's Law, which is where views are presented to such an extreme that it becomes impossible for audiences to understand if it's a parody or serious. Right. Mm. Uh, it, it, it comes from internet culture. If we had more time, I'd explain it. It's semi-interesting. I bet it is. It comes from... Oh, um, you want to hear it a little bit? Okay. Yeah, you can't tease it and no. not do it. So, it's uh, from internet culture. It's about saying that without a clear indicator of an author's intent, any parodic or sarcastic expression of extreme views can be mistaken by some readers for a sincere expression of those views. So, it's origin from a guy called Nathan Poe, just a regular Poe. <laughs> One of the polls. <laughs> In 2005 on christianforums.com, an internet oh, forum on Christianity, <laughs> uh, um, the message was posted during a debate on creationism where a previous poster had remarked to another user, good thing you used the winky, otherwise people might think you are serious. And Nathan Poe replied, without a winking smiley or other blatant display of humour, it's utterly impossible to parody a creationist in such a way that someone won't mistake it for the genuine article. Okay. And that's where Poe's Law came from. I think we've all felt it, having been on social media for years. It's impossible yeah. to make a joke without people taking it the wrong way or um, not it, understanding it. it or... It's unbelievable. I read an article that was like, don't ever put a laughing face after something you've written because it's you laughing at your own joke. I stopped doing it because I was like, I think it was saying you're an oldie if you do that. Okay. Stop doing it. Lose friends that way because people think you're being rude. Yeah. Put a well laughing either. face. They're not your real friends. No, because my best friends are yes, in this room. Are in this room. <laughs> yeah. And we don't follow you on anything. So Empire said at the time of release, the constant fetishizing of weaponry and Aryan cast combined with the militaristic image in Robocop and Total Recall make it seem as though Verhoeven admired Heinlein's work more than he claimed. In 2016, Empire said, it's the true spiritual successor to Robocop's savage satire and gonzo violence. Unlike that film's own sequels, Starship Troopers is now considered one of the best films of the 1990s. Look, magazines can be more than one thing. <laughs> uh, in 2021, the British Film Institute named it one of the 10 greatest science fiction adaptations. In 2022, the AV Club described Starship Troopers as a brilliant dissection of wars and how propaganda is used to justify young people being sent to their deaths against a dehumanised enemy. So, yeah, it's a cult classic. I, it probably is, isn't it? Uh-huh. Uh, two live-action sequels, two animated sequels, uh, as we talked about. Starship Troopers Marauder from 2008 that brings back Van Dien and written by Ed Newmeyer is uh, apparently the one that's worth checking out. I guess it's kind of sad. The failure of this movie, though, and then the subsequent failure of Hollow Man... Um, well, what made Verhoeven decide to leave American movie making behind him and return to Europe? Not a bad thing for him. He's made some great movies since returning to Europe. Mm, but... Black Book's my favourite. Mm. Brilliant film. So his argument is quite fascinating, though, because Robocop and Total Recall, uh, he'd made, and other movies, he'd made under the smaller companies like Carol Coe and Orion. And he says they believed in giving the director control yeah. over his vision of the film. Starship Troopers and Hollow Man were studio movies and the control was ripped away from him and both the marketing, the Starship Troopers and I think a lot of the creative control of Hollow Man. And he said, as a director working in those environments, it's just not what I enjoy and that's mm. why I'm leaving. Yeah. And that is your lot. Any more for any more? No. No? Right then, uh, let's do the bits. Uh, best scene, Chris. So, 
it took me, as I say, I was halfway there to understanding what was happening in this film when I first watched it. Dougie Himmler showing up in the SS outfit is when I was getting there. But also, I think I can remember the first time I watched it, that moment where Carl touches the bug, says it's afraid, and everyone cheers. That celebratory moment at the end of your sci-fi war movie. It felt so wrong. It just, what have I just watched? Yeah, I agree. And so for me, that that's a really brilliant moment in the film, I think, because, you know, even then, at whenever 18, when I was watching, I was like, hold on a minute. Yeah, it this feels wrong. Yeah. This isn't the celebration that yeah. I'm looking at. You're so. waiting for the bug to be like, we, we come in peace. And like, oh, God, we're so sorry. And yeah. that's it. But he's like, no, fuck it. Torture it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, mine is the shower scene. I think it's very subversive mm. and it says it says all the themes that I've missed to be honest on two viewings of this are in that shower scene and I get it then and you saw Casper Van Dien's bum and I didn't mind that at all why would you I'm not an idiot no you're not I, I can confirm. <laughs> and I think it's important that we say that on air. I, I do too, I agree. <laughs> uh, my best scene, despite all the themes we've talked about, uh, and all the Here we go. Is, oh, fight. <laughs> so I think the spectacle of the assault on the base on Planet P, where the bugs are just piling on top of each other, they're a bit like the zombies did later in World War Z, and, and they're just like, it's, and all the flying bugs and the whole battle, I just think is wonderful, wonderful spectacle. And I think, you know, Phil Tippett and I think about every uh, every visual effects house in America at some point had to work on this movie to get it done. But <laughs> I think that scene is incredible. Who is your MVW Vicky? Michael Ironside. Uh, yeah, I just think he... I, I struggle with the acting in this. I, I, I don't really care if it's intentional or not because I've still got to watch it. So mm. I don't know. I, I just don't like feeling... It's my... Um, personality I don't like feeling not in on a joke you know that about me hate not knowing stuff Mm. whereas I get him and I think his performance is really interesting I think he's got a brilliant backstory that we don't really get into Um, so I just think I think everyone else is bad and he's not so there we go (laughs) okay Michael Einstein's not bad and here's your MVW Chris Uh, Ed Newmeyer and Paul Verhoeven if you make me pick one I'm going to pick Paul Verhoeven because I've got to give him a shout out like it's just so brilliantly subversive and that they did that as a team but you see and you feel what Paul Verhoeven has brought to this like there's sort of an anger in it as well as a a, a cleverness so um yeah Paul Verhoeven uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I picked Ed Newmar on Monday, and so I'm giving it to Verhoeven as well. I think, you know, this works as spectacle, and then uh, over the years, as you peel back all the layers, and still, even on this watch, discovering new things and new bits of lying <laughs> by the narrative <laughs> of this film and the Federation, I just think it's it, it's the gift that keeps on giving. So, Paul Verhoeven, uh, what would you change, Chris? Well, at the time... When I first watched it, I would have said recast this movie with better actors like Matt Damon. Mm. But uh, unlike Vicky, I feel like I'm in on the joke now and I I sort of embraced it this time and I had no problem with it. And I feel like they're being directed in that way. If Matt Damon had played Johnny Rico, he might have been told to seem more dim and more vacuous and less engaged with what's happening around him. But that would have helped you get the joke. It would have helped me get the joke because I know he's a brilliant actor. He did in 1997, though. Okay, fair, 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 fair. But, um, so yeah, that was my change there. Now, um, 
So we're talking about how to make us all understand this better. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wonder if there needs a dissenting voice within the military group. Now, they can bully that person, disagree with them, but just someone who asks a couple of questions in the same way that the odd journalists make statements. I think you could talk through a little more of what we're having to read between the lines to understand without it being too on the nose. Mm. And I think that's quite a normal character to have in a war movie, in a cliched war movie, is the one person saying, are we doing the right thing here? Casualties of War is a good example of that. Mm -hmm. Also, I think at the end of the credits, it should pull back and we should have a classroom of kids watching this film and cheering and siding up. And I think it should say directed by Lenny Raffenstahl III or something. (laughs) And I think you should say this whole film hasn't been a film we're watching. It's a propaganda movie that kids are watching in a classroom. Love it. Oh my God, I want that as my change. Can I just have that as my change? Because I'll just do my, mine. I, I literally can't think of one. And I think that, I know that's a, that's a terrible thing to come to the table with, but it's because everything is, this movie is sort of bad. Like the bad things in this movie, I now think are intentionally bad. And so I don't think there is an easy way of doing it. So I'm having, I'm having Chris's where it's a movie within a movie. I, and, all, and also... <clears throat> is that rain? That <laughs> Vicky. It's on us in a similar vein. I just needed a little bit of. It's fun that this is kind of timeless within the universe that the film has set up because it's like you said, Alex, at the start. Wouldn't it be interesting to see how this continuous war machine benefits the government of the time in a way that it didn't benefit fifty years ago, or it will benefit more in fifty years' time? So the actions of these group of recruits lead to a sort of settling in of the government so that it's like you say it's right okay so as a result of their actions civilians now no longer have access to and trying to make the machinery of it all progress towards a more complete point Mm. it's really interesting that it doesn't you could you could be dropping in and out of this universe at any point and you wouldn't know but it would be interesting to see that the actions of the characters you followed for two hours, ten minutes, no less, has an impact on in the on the, their sort of bigger picture. Does that make yeah, sense? It, it does. I, I do think a little more on the bigger picture would be good because, it, it, you know, I, I think a little bit of hand-holding. We don't think of a, 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 a fascist government as being elected. We often think about them as sort of rising to power and being a dictatorship. This is a democracy. These people, because it says at the start, you get a right to vote if you're a citizen. So people are voting in this militaristic governing body, you know, and maybe they're doing it because they're brainwashed into doing it. But what else is your vote for unless you're re-electing the same government? Well, yeah. I mean, you can have a vo- you can have a vote now where you don't have any choice, but you have the, you have the option to vote or not vote. But you don't have. I mean, you don't have much choice. And you can always spoil the ballot, and, can't you? You can spoil the ballot, but it doesn't do anything. Not yeah. in this country. Yeah. Um, What's the point in a vote if there's only one party on the ballot? Look paper? at like I mean, there's countries across the world where they're like, yeah, yeah, go and vote, but you know. It's kind of been decided, but please feel yeah. the right that you feel you but exercise they, that right. They at least they at least pretend there's someone else you can vote for. Then they kill them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, right then, let's do. No, it's not my week. Oh God, it's my week. Yep. That's so weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's time for the verdict. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You ruined that, Alex. I did. No, you. Do you know what? That felt better for me. Oh, good. Um. Right, I'm going to go first. Is that all right? Mm-hmm, because sure. I feel like I've been biting my tongue a little bit and I probably haven't. Starship Troopers is fucking boring as fuck and I can't believe you like it as much as you do. I it get it, but I don't get it. It wouldn't be the first time this has happened. 
What, that someone said that to you? No, that you, I've thought something was absolutely amazing and you found it close to unwatchable. Under Siege a few weeks ago. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I, just, I just don't, I mean, I, when you said, and I understand that you like it, you like, it's fun to be with them. It is fun to be in it. I mm. totally get that. And maybe we sh- it's a film that, no, this isn't true. It's a film that you shouldn't pay much attention to, but if you don't pay much attention to it, you genuinely have no chance of getting it. And it only works if you get it. And I just don't, I'm not having that. I just can't. And also, it's you know, it's up against Robocop, which is all comedy, sci-fi, revenge thriller, all done really well, all done quite quickly. And you care about this person, which is quite amazing. A fine Starship Troopers, really indulgent and also lazy at the same time. I don't get it. And that's making me act like a baby. But I was there for it and I didn't get it twice. And no matter what, no matter the pastiche, the, the satire, the whatever, the parody, the blah de blah de blah plot-wise, it's boring. So it's, this was so easy. This was obviously Robocop. Okay. Uh, Chris. So Ed Newmeyer says that Paul Verhoeven took both his scripts and made them better. And that's a lovely thing to hear. And I've loved every second of this week. Um, watching them back to back, what a brilliant, intelligent, subversive filmmaker Paul Verhoeven is. Total Recall's actually my personal favourite of his films. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think these two films are better than Total <clears throat> Recall. Um, but this one, Starship Troopers, feels like it's really about something in a way that Robocop isn't. So I'm voting for Starship Troopers. I just don't get it. This is this is. <laughs> you're so not allowed weird. to get. You're not allowed to no, get annoyed. No, I know. But I feel I feel really defensive because I don't understand what's going well, on. Well, let me say this: Robocop genuinely gets under my skin in a powerful but unpleasant way. It's relentless and it's brilliant, but it's full of shocking images, and I never get my fist pumping moment i never get to enjoy it because i'm kind of traumatized by most scenes in it so i'm not getting a lot of enjoyment or maybe i've just never recovered from that first watch and this is historic trauma it is a great film but i've never felt the need to re-watch it i got it on the first watch uh well maybe the second watch <laughs> i certainly get it now and i don't <clears throat> need to see it again starship troopers on the other hand it it works it worked for me in 1997 as just a big bombastic sci-fi actioner and it carries on working for me more and more as I find out all of these nuances about it and you know I felt sorry for the bugs this time which I've never felt sorry for before I, I, I'm more aware now than I've ever been that Johnny and Carmen are stupid and it's brilliant <laughs> because I'm really getting the satire more it's Starship Troopers 100 Oh, I now feel bad now. What did you think was going to happen? What did you I think was going to vote for Robocop? Are you fucking joking? I can't believe you wanted to go first. You must have known. I, I thought was... no, no, you no. pointed at me because there was no way you'd do that. You know what he's going to do. I thought you were going to vote for Robocop. Why? Because everyone loves Robocop. People love Robocop, Vicky. People love it. I have spent an hour and 21 minutes basically going, this feels brilliant. No, you didn't seem to get it at all. <laughs> This is something has gone wrong. Honestly, you didn't think to get it. Oh, this is broken. This is broken. You can't tell what he's doing. It's blatantly obvious. I was. I don't argue it was obvious. I was. Yeah, sure. You don't know why I like it. I should have gone second. I feel shit now that Robocop's lost. (laughs) We're going to get destroyed. I'm not. I'm fine. Well, I think more people than you think agree with Chris and me. (laughs) Wow, Starship Troopers is the better movie we have. We're so missile. Our period's not (laughs) off or something. It just normally. It works. It's just this just isn't working. 
are a what? <laughs> don't what? worry. What? what? <laughs> don't worry. Oh, call it a day, Alex. <laughs> I think I'm going to have to. We need to go talk about male anatomy. Um, because are you waiting for your kids to come on? <laughs> uh, right, then we have a winner. It is Starship Troopers. Mental. Uh, yes, mentally good. <laughs> we all feel mentally healthy. Uh, don't forget, uh, there's no poll this week. Next week, uh, no, of course, don't forget you can tell us how right Starship or wrong Troopers or Ryan Gosling. <laughs> got it when the poll goes up on Twitter at ClashPod. Uh, right then, uh, next week, the clue Chris gave was... Well, I told you beforehand I wasn't going to do a clue on the show. We put right. it online. Yep. You forgot to tell the audience that. Right. So they don't know what's going on. Oh, But no. they will know by now. So the clue I put on Twitter was Murphy's Law. Okay, good. Good. I love it. That's a great clue. That's a great clue on Twitter. Uh, so the movies we are doing are... 48 Hours. <laughs> yep. And Beverly Hills Cop. Correct! Oh, Correct! Wow, that is good. 48 Hours <laughs> and Beverly Hills Cop. But that is. I think people will get it. Your homework. Good. Monday, we start that clash with 48 Hours. And we'll be back then. Have a lovely, lovely weekend. Bye bye. Starship Troopers, go! <laughs> clash of the Titles is a stack production and part of the ACAST Creator Network. 